0: You're listening to the Immortal Icons of Dance podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Johnson. Today's episode is a continuation from last week's conversation with Marianne Lamb. If you haven't already, I recommend you go back and listen to it. She talks about working with Jerome Robbins. This week, we'll listen to her stories about working with Anne Ranking. Anne Ranking got her start in New York at 18 when she joined the Corps de Ballet at Radio City Music Hall. She made her Broadway debut as a replacement in Cabaret at the age of 19. She was a chorus dancer in the musicals Coco, Wild and Wonderful, and Pippin. In 1974, she gained notice for her role as Maggie in Over Here. She received her first Tony nomination at the age of 26 for her role as Joan of Arc in Good Time Charlie. In 1977, she was the first replacement for Roxy Hart in Bob Fosse's Chicago, the role that was originated by Gwen Verdon. In 1976, she replaced Donna McKechnie in the role of Cassie in Michael Bennett's A Chorus Line. In 1978, she appeared in Fosse's all-dance musical titled Dancin', for which she was nominated for another Tony. She also appeared in three movies, including Bob Fosse's semi-autobiographical film All That Jazz, the 1982 Annie, and 1984's Mickey and Maud*. In 1986, she replaced Debbie Allen in the Sweet Charity Revival. Anne is perhaps best known for her involvement in the longest-running musical currently playing on Broadway, Chicago. In 1996, she choreographed a production of Chicago in the style of Bob Fosse for New York City Center's Encore series. She also returned to the stage in the role of Roxy Hart. The production was so successful, it transferred from its limited run at City Center to Broadway, where it has continuously run for 27 years. She also won the Tony for Best Choreography that year. Anne's accomplishments are seemingly endless, and we will surely be talking about her more in future episodes. But I think that's enough context to get you ready for the rest of today's episode. Our guest today is Marianne Lamb. She's also had a long career on Broadway. At seven years old, she saw the movie Summer Stock, which starred Gene Kelly and Judy Garland. And it was then that she knew she wanted to be on Broadway. At 16, she danced as a showgirl in Las Vegas in Greg Thompson's Follies. In 1982, at age 23, she booked her first Broadway show, Song and Dance. Over the next three decades, she performed in 10 more Broadway shows, including Starlight Express, Carrie, Jerome Robbins' Broadway, The Goodbye Girl, A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum, Chicago, Fosse, Susicle, Curtains, and The Visit. Marianne also performed in eight productions at New York City Center in their Encore series. She has also starred in off-Broadway and regional productions. You can even spot her in a few movies like Chicago and Rock of Ages, just to name a few. Marianne stays active in the theater community, choreographing for a theater and television, and passing on what she knows to the next generation. She's an adjunct professor at Western Connecticut State University, and she's a teacher for the Verdon Fossey Legacy. She also teaches master classes at Steps on Broadway, Broadway Dance Center, and Perry Dance. I first met Marianne when I took a Verdon Fossey legacy class from her, and I was captivated by the story she told of working with Jerome Robbins, Anne ranking Gwen Verdon, Cheetah Rivera, and many more. All right, let's dive back into this conversation. All right, so you were also in the original cast of The Chicago Revival in 1996 after it transferred from New York City Center for the Encore series. Uh, That production is currently still running at the Ambassador Theater and it's now the longest running show on Broadway at over 10,400 performances. I think I've seen it five in the last couple of years. Uh, I think that a lot of people assume, and I did too when I very first saw it, that you're seeing Bob Fosse's choreography on stage, um, because he choreographed the original in 1975. Uh, but that's not the case, and I think that Chicago is just so associated in people's minds with Fosse that right. you just kind of think, oh, I'm going to see Fosse Chicago, but it's not. It's Anne Rankin's choreography, and as the playbill states, it's in the style of Bob Fosse. Could you talk about the process of learning that show from and with Anne? Because she also was starring in it as Rosie yes. Hart. Well, one thing, I, I'm going to
1: go way back. Oh, let's go. Yeah, back. Um, I'm from Seattle, Washington, and Anne Ranking's from Seattle, Washington. Hmm. Anne Ranking, um, I loved her so much. She is 10 years older than me. And so I grew up in a ballet studio with a huge poster of her. My first Broadway show I ever saw was Danson. I was 18 years old. It was 1978. I came, watched *Dancing*, and she just blew my mind. And I was like, I, so since a young girl, I wanted to be and Ryan King and be part of Anne Like, she was one of my idols of all time. And um, I never got, I never met Fosse I know that he, he came and saw Song & Dance, my first Broadway show, because he called backstage, and there was a payphone back there. And so he knew Cynthia Rubia, and he you know, told everybody that he loved everybody. And I was like, oh, my God, how fast a saw the show. And I probably wasn't even on because I swung hmm. Song and & Dance. And I always wanted to audition for him. So in my second Broadway show was Starlight Express, And during Starlight Express, we all of a sudden, um, the stage manager came down and said I'd like, and had a cast call, and we all were there, and they announced that Bob Fosse had died. And it was devastating, because I was like, oh my goodness, that's all I, I, I wanted to do. I wanted to dance for Fosse. I wanted to audition for Fosse, you know, and I never got to. So that was kind of a heartbreak. So going forward, I am doing a forum, a funny thing happened in the way of the forum with Rob Marshall who's choreographing, and Jerry Sachs, and I and and Nathan Lane is in the show, and it's a huge hit on Broadway and I have done many I I think the total amount of encores I did is really eight and a half, because I got injured in one so I didn't get to finish it, but I've done I did the original encore So I've done many encores, nine encores, but I always say eight. But anyway, (laughs) because I are eight and a half, whatever, because I did. But anyway, and um, they were developed for flops. And we they, they used to call them the Summer Stock, mm-hmm. the Star Summer Stock series, because you would go to rehearsal for a week. We had opened on Thursday for the New York Times, it closed on Sunday. So they would have all these huge stars that would come. And back then, they used to only do one big choreography number. Everybody read books, you know, everything off the books, one big choreography number, and then, you know, and it would take the house down, and then, you know, that's how they kind of were ran. Well, I was doing A Funny Thing Happened in Way to Form when they were doing Chicago. I was like, oh, I was devastated. And Chicago was done with B.B. Neworth and Juliet Prowse with the choreographer Anne Ryan King and the director Rob Marshall. And I love Rob Marshall. Mm-hmm. And I've just been working with Rob Marshall, and he's a genius, as we all know. And he they were gonna put Chicago up, but he was doing four. And I was doing four. And same with um Lee Zimmerman was doing four. We were all doing four. So they it was supposed to star BB Newworth and Liza Minnelli. I didn't know that. Yeah, and Annie was gonna put it together and Rob was busy, and Rob's best friends with Walter Bobby. And so they were just going to put up, um, the Chicago and because Annie and Rob had just done it, they brought a lot of the cast from San Diego to put it in, you know, to, to do an on course and, and, des- and decided to do not just one number, but to do many numbers, almost the whole show. Mm-hmm. And so they put all that together, but Liza, they couldn't Liza was having difficulties. And for the last minute, um, Mulder Bobby was like, Annie, you're going to have to jump in. So she jumped in, and they opened, and it was a huge success. I just have to say that I think Chicago, when it opened in 1975, was up against, this is my Marion Lamb's opinion only, okay. was up against... Um, chorus line, yep. which was like Hamilton, our Rent, you know, our West Side Story. It changed Broadway, you know, culture. Phenomenal. It was a whole new way of telling a the musical theater number, and I think that everybody was wowed by it. And I also think that Bob Fosse was way ahead of his time. And we did not have Oprah in 1975, and it was in 1975 um, we were going through Watergate. And I don't think America is ready to think that someone would kill someone to be famous or the judicial system was crooked. Well, in 1996, during the OJ trials, the Chicago opened a thon course. And by this time, everyone believed that people killed each other for fame and also that you know the judicial system for years has been corrupt. And so the intelligence of Chicago shined. And it was a huge hit. And they decided to move Chicago to Broadway only for three months as a concert because it was such a big hit. Nothing had ever moved from encores to Broadway. Mm -hmm. Two of the actresses that were brilliant... Um, Lisa Leguilu, who is the director, or, you know, assistant director to Wicked. Oh. And she, she got, she was doing a play on Broadway because she's a brilliant actress. And um, Marilyn Stewart, who played Go to Hill Kitty, um, was going back to Chicago. She was a Chicago actress and she was a soap star and a brilliant dancer herself. So, Anne Franking was having auditions, and I was like, I have to audition for Chicago, and I'm in this huge hit, and I have a new baby. Like, what was I? I could have sat in that big hit for yeah. many years, but I was like, I have to go. So, and my husband was like, Okay, I'm not going to get involved. It's only three <laughs> months. You do what you have to do. I went and auditioned with Lee Zimmerman, and we both got Chicago. And Rob Marshall was like, okay, I get it. Mm-hmm. So we left a funny thing happened away way the Forum and did a concert version of Chicago. And of course, when we opened up Broadway, it was a huge hit. But we had to move from that theater the Richard Rogers, which I don't know what it's called now, Richard Rogers. It is still. It's okay. Because okay. yep. it was the 46th Street or whatever. Mm-hmm. And we moved to the Imperial and we opened Chicago and it was a huge hit. And... I just remember watching, and i never danced Fosse before. And so my Fosse at that time, because Annie was, you know, ran the whole show, was being with some of the Fosse, original Fosse dancers on stage. Yeah. Like Bruce Anthony Davis. So I would say, Bruce, give me some steps. And he would give me some steps. And then I would turn and I would be like, you know, you know, David Warren gives him, give me some steps. You know, and I'd be like, I would take from all these people, and I would, I slowly learned um, these steps. Now, when I did, and um, I assisted on um, the Fosse Verdon FX series, yeah. right? They did not have the tapes of Chicago, hmm. so. Uh, no one knew what Chicago looked like. Yeah. There was no t- footage of it. But when we were doing that series with Sam Rockwell and Michelle Williams, they, someone, I think in Amsterdam, had had taped a European show of that somehow. And I saw, and uh, Valerie Petteford put it on that show, the original All That Jazz. And it was so brilliant and very different than what we danced. Completely different, more sexual, I have to say, more textured. It was so interesting to see the original. And and he was so forward thinking. I mean, there was a, you know, he had a drag queen in the opening number. You know, like a guy that was, you know, and same with Pippin. You know, he had a guy that would, ran around with, you know, a g-string on. I mean, he was so forward thinking. Fosse was. Mm-hmm. But what I learned from Annie is when Anne Rodkin got up and performed, you couldn't look at anybody else. I mean, Annie was so fast. She was like a creature. She was so fascinating. And she she, she was different every night. She was different every night. She just, she was like a flow. She really was. And then I got lucky to work with her again with Gwen in Fosse. Mm -hmm. And I, I... By the time I opened Chicago and Fosse was going, I, I couldn't wait to learn more about Fosse. And I didn't do any of the workshops. I was a young mother and, you know, struggling. You know, I couldn't have that kind of time. Yeah. And I just will never forget that when I got cast, Chet Walker first and then anne King, and I got cast in Fosse, the detail and learning those steps, it, it just was so Incredible, and they got cut. But at one time, we were going to do a medley of all of Gwen's work, and uh, every girl had a different part. Me and I did redhead Irby Fitch. So I got to actually work in the room with Gwenver, one on one, until they they cut they cut each girl out, and then finally my number got cut too. Oh. But it was sensational. Because she would say so many things to me that, to this day, I keep with me, like, don't work for the audience, let the audience come to you, right? You know, my favorite line that she once said is, stop trying to be beautiful and sexy. We're all born beautiful, but only a few are born funny. And I was like, oh, you know, again, internal work, Mm -hmm. internal, internal, internal work. So. Right then, with Irby Fitch, I was like, yes, just say the words and believe and pull yourself through the work. You don't have to try to be anything. Mm-hmm. You know, it just, she just changed. And also, Gwen was always about the work, it was never personal. You know, and she was fascinating to watch. She was like Annie, where she would sit, and when she stood up to dance, you couldn't look at anything. All the oxygen just came, sucked out of the room, and we all went still and watched this brilliant actress dance. Mm-hmm. Her internal work was so exceptional. And that's when you're like, wow, dance is acting." Yeah. It's, it's, it's... And Jerome Rollins once said, and I'll never forget this, that if he goes and sees a show and he's watching the choreography... The dancer's not doing their job. And I was like, wow. That's like, ow. Mm -hmm. But it's true. Because you're there not to see steps. You're there to see an amazing performance. Yeah. Journey of this actor on stage. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow.
0: If you didn't know, I create a YouTube playlist of videos that you can watch that are relevant to every episode. If you click the link that says Footage in the show notes, you'll be taken to a curated YouTube playlist. For this episode, you'll see footage of Anne playing Roxy in Chicago, as well as Marianne behind her in the ensemble. There's also footage of Marianne in the 1999 Broadway show titled Fosse, which Anne co-directed and co-choreographed. If you watch the video in the playlist that's titled Chicago 1996 Broadway Revival Pro Shot, if you skip ahead to 14 minutes and 34 seconds, you'll drop in right on Marianne's featured part in Cell Block Tango. I'm going to jump back to Chicago for a minute with Anne. How did she work between being choreographer and on stage? Did she put on different hats? Did she slide seamlessly between the two? What was that like? Yeah, I think
1: that she put on many hats, mm-hmm. you know, and they, and that was not an easy show to open. And she had a lot on her plate, um, personally, with her son. Also, um, he had some health issues. And so it was, it was a lot. And and I can't even imagine, you know, because she was carrying that show. You know, I mean, she, but she did hire well. She had a lot of Fosse people around her. Mm-hmm. And she had... A lot of friends in the, the cast.
0: Yeah, built the support. community around. Yes, her. Yeah, yes,
1: she built that community.
0: She had replaced Gwen in uh, the original production yeah. in nineteen seventy-seven. She was, was very
1: young. young. I think she was, was she twenty-six or something. Yeah.
0: And did she bring any stories, any anecdotes from the original production?
1: I think that she she brought what she what i loved about annie is she brought the sense of humor she was funny herself Mm -hmm. and she brought the vaudevillian feel into this but there was also a sensualness because annie's was so sensual when she danced fossey she was just you know she had beautiful lines she was a beautiful ballet dancer she had beautiful lines and so but at the same time she brought her, the vaudeville sense of humor to it, the wackiness of it. And I think that that's what, what was such a beautiful balance with, with Anne King is that yes, was she extremely sexy and, and, and almost like how ballet dancers are, where they don't seem real. Yeah. She was like that. And that, um, when I look at dancers today, they work. A lot of young dancers will work that that card of sexuality card, and it's boring. I mean, because like Anne Ryan King never played that card because she was also trained by Gwen.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like you know, we're all born beautiful, Only if you can be funny. I mean, those are powerful shoes to step into. Is Gwen Verdon and Cheetah Rivera? Those shoes are big, gorgeous, talented shoes. Those two. Right. And they were brilliant actresses. And so I think that that was the thing to watch Annie in that role. Mm-hmm. And you had B.C. Moore, who was a very talented actress, you know, and there, her time was impeccable, mm-hmm. you know. And so those two played off each other really was fun to watch on stage.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you have a favorite piece of work that Anne did, whether it was performing... Well, I worked with Annie five
1: times. Uh-huh. <laughs> I couldn't get enough of Annie, right yeah. and um, she choreographed a solo for me in um, one of the encores, and it was Zany Charleston, and I'll never forget. It was so fun and crazy. And the first time I performed it, I didn't know it was funny. And I went out there and I performed it, and the audience laughed, and I was kind of in shock. Mm -hmm. You know, and that was one of my favorite things ever. Yeah. But I think one of my favorite moments that I've ever got to work ever with Anne King, and I was so lucky because she put me on stage also with Cheetah Robert, which I love so much, is when I, I got to do the visit at the Signature. And Annie was the choreographer, and she choreographed. No one, I mean, by this time, you know i had just done um what 11 broadway shows right and i i'd become like this energetic kind of crazy jazz dancer and she pulled me back into a world of agnes de mill mm-hmm. and back into my ballet training and at first i was like oh i don't know if i could do this you know i'm like you know because i by this time i have two children now and i'm like i don't know if I can. and She believed in me and that experience working on the visit was one of the most wonderful experiences I've ever had in my entire career. And it was just phenomenal to work under her Mm -hmm. once again. You know, I, I just feel very lucky.
0: If you like the work that is being done here at Immortal Icons of Dance, there are many ways you can support. Most simply, you can follow us on Instagram at of Dance. By following us on Instagram, you'll also get access to the photos that we post each week that correspond with the episode. You'll find photos of our guest in some of the productions that they talk about. It would also be great if you could rate the podcast on whatever platform you listen. Five stars are always appreciated. If you prefer watching your podcasts rather than listening to them, you can find the video of each episode on our YouTube channel lastly did you know we have merch we love talking about immortal icons of dance but we really love wearing them i think it's so special to walk into a dance rehearsal wearing one of your role models on your shirt it just gives you an extra boost of inspiration you can find the merch at shop.immortaliconsofdance.com. all right jumping forward again to when you were in the studio with gwen when did you first in person lay eyes on Gwen? Was it in a rehearsal studio? Had you ever seen her perform? You know, I didn't. I know that a lot
1: of the people that were doing Fosse were doing these workshops, so she was there all the time. Mm-hmm. Never did the workshops, and so I just remember the first day of rehearsal when she walked out, I was like, "Oh my goodness, that's Gwen Verdon!" You know, I was like, "Oh my god!" You know, and it's it's just like when I worked with Cheetah Rivera too. I'm not. A, I don't think about stars. as, I don't get. I don't get starstruck. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I just think we're all in this together. But there is something about Cheetah Rivera and Glenford when they walk in the room and you realize, I can't believe I'm standing here with Glenford. You know, or, I can't believe I'm standing here looking at, you know, Cheetah Rivera. I mean, it, that that to me is like this power, you know, yeah. and like, I, I have to like remove that, that nerd, mm-hmm. and just go, okay, let's be present and just yeah. be an actor and with the rest of them. I had to like mentally and the first time I got to work with Gwen all by myself I had to do that I had to go I had to go Marianne Lamb she's she's here to work with you don't just let it go you know just watch her and watching her do the role mm-hmm. that I was doing like she would do a couple and you're like ha ah, she was just brilliant like she reminded me of Drew Romans too she would stand up she would do it and you're like how can anyone be better than this I mean she should just do it again right, 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 right. now I'm like that's where it. They never stopped performing, when they even they taught. Mm-hmm. It was so in their bodies. Yeah. And Annie was like that too. She would get up and she would just perform it. And you, and so much of us dancers learn watching. I mean, we. That's how the steps are passed on. So watching is so important. Listening is so important. Mm-hmm. But they, you know, they give and they gave like every story to us, every Bob Fosse story, every, you know, to this day, you know, I I hear Jerome Robbins and Anne Lion King and Gwen Verdon and Cheetah Rivera in my head, Mm -hmm. you know, power of the stillness. You know, she would say, pull in all that energy. Gwen would say, stand there and put your car in neutral and just floor it. So you have all that energy and that's the power of stillness. It takes more power and stillness than it does, um, Kicking your face, you know, taking turns. You need to, you know, find that power of stillness. And I remember that with Gwen.
0: To me, when I'm in a room with a star of some sort, to me, it's not the famous aspect that's overwhelming. It's realizing all the experiences that are in their body and in their right. mind, and that those experiences are now in the room with me and trying to, like, comprehend how many lives they've lived, how many stages they've been mm-hmm. on, how many, you know, people they've worked with. And that now I, you know, that I'm, I'm right there. I met Cheetah a couple of months ago yeah. and I cried just, just standing in front yeah. of her and getting to thank her and say, yeah. you know, thank wow, it's so nice to meet That's you. like when I, I'm, I was so blown
1: away. And like, I, to the, this day I am of Sam Rockwell mm-hmm. because he works so hard. Michelle Williams and Sam Rockwell, are triple threats, and they work so hard. And that's why they are who they are. They're the hardest-working people in the room. And that's where I realized, that's why Gwen was Gwen Verdon. She was the hardest-working person in the room. That's why Cheetah Rivera is Chita Rivera. No one worked harder than Cheetah Rivera when she's in the room. And that's where I want young actors to know that it takes so much work. I mean when you get pushed, you gotta get pushed even further. To you got to do the work. You got to walk into a rehearsal room every day and go, I'm gonna work harder than anyone else in this room. And that's what when you see big stars,
0: that's how they get there. When you're in the studio working with students or other performers, what are some of the words of wisdom that come from the people before you that are coming out through your mouth. but you know I know the current. most important thing is
1: you cannot be honest without being relaxed.
0: Hmm.
1: Because it's our job to be as open and as honest as you can, and you cannot do that with energy. You've got to learn how to relax so you can listen and you can feel. And that's, to me, if you can step into a room and an audition and a class and be able to open up and feel and be relaxed, then you will find the music inside you, you'll find the character inside you, you'll find the steps, the lyrics, the words. But if you are tense, you will not.
0: I've got one last question for you. I love to ask everyone about a compliment that you received. So whether from Ann or the Because it's something, it's, It's, you know. I never hear compliments. I mean,
1: even when they're given to me, I can't, I have a very hard time taking them in. Mm
0: -hmm. And they come in different ways. You know, sometimes it's just a look. It's a nod of approval or a smile or a pat on the back. and I'm going to say that
1: with Annie and Rob Marshall and, um, and Drone Robbins, and so they hired me more than once. I got hired more than once from the same, from mm-hmm. people. And to me, that is the biggest compliment. Yeah. Because that means that the first job, I did well enough that they would hire me again and believe in me again. And to be, and like my first two jobs was, I did three Andrew Weber shows. I did Song and Dance, Starlight Express, and Music of the Night tour. And so when I get hired more than once by someone, I'm like, that to me is the biggest compliment. I don't need to be told every minute in the studio that I'm great or anything. Because at the end of the night, we have the best jobs in the world. The audience applauds us. Mm -hmm. But to be hired more than once, you've done it right. And that to me is the biggest compliment.
0: Thank you so thank much you. for taking
1: the time. Thank you so much. listening to all your stories. And thank you. And this is important for every young dancer. So thank you for doing this. Thank you.
0: The Immortal Icons of Dance podcast is written, produced, and edited by me, Lauren Johnson. Our music is written by Shelby Rassler of Jenkins and Rassler. Technical support is generously provided by Libby Blussenhop.